This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call, the 23rd day of August, 2021. We are back after a couple of days off. The uh, I have to tell you, the uh, poison ivy got the better of me and uh, got to a point where it was on my hands. I, I couldn't type. I couldn't do much of anything, so... Uh, took a couple of days off. Things are uh, better, uh, starting to dry up, thank God. Uh, and uh, hopefully we are on the mend and uh, we'll be here all week. Uh, we got through Hurricane Henri, which was trick, uh, quickly downgraded. Uh, we caught a break here in the Northeast, no question, or at least especially here in Connecticut. They were originally talking it was going to go right through the middle of our state. It ended up jogging to the right a little bit, crossed uh, at the Connecticut-Rhode Island border, and uh, we did not get it bad here at all. I think at the height, only about 25,000 people in the state lost power. So great news as far as that goes. They got hit a little bit harder in uh, in Rhode Island. There was some flooding here in the state, but it wasn't bad. Uh, so by and large, look, I was prepared. We were, you know, we battened down the hatches, and it turned out we got a couple of inches of rain, and that was it. Uh, there's going to be some more rain today that's going to come in on the back end of it. But all, all, by and large... Uh, we caught a break here in the Northeast and we'll take it. Uh, all right. Other things to talk about this morning. Before we get to sports, I just, uh, I have to take a moment to, I guess, acknowledge, I don't know whether, I guess it's old age. Um, but my wife and I, as I had mentioned, we went to a concert this past weekend on Saturday. We went to the Xfinity Center here in Hartford, uh, to see Thomas Rhett. And it was sold out. There was, you know, 15 plus thousand people there. Um, But I have come to the realization. And, you know, my wife and I talked about this about midway through the show that I think my concert days are over or at least my concert days with mainstream acts that are out in in music today you know maybe i'll i'll still go to some shows at some smaller venues you know places that seat three four five thousand people but my days of going to these big shows are over uh, and did, look this is nothing this is nothing against thomas rett the show that we saw on saturday he was great uh gabby barrett cole swindell opened they were very good uh, the music was great. I love live music, but I have come to the realization that I can no longer go to these shows Be- because, well, first of all, the average age of somebody going to this show is probably in their late twenties, you know, maybe, but if you go to a, a show at a big venue like this, you have to be prepared to stand for essentially three hours. There was a point during the show that my wife and I were sitting in our seats trying to watch the show. Everybody around us and the three rows ahead of us were all standing up. 
they were st- they, it was so bad to the point we couldn't even see you know how they have the the big screens where the cameras zoom in so you could at least see what's going on on the stage yeah and we had good seats by the way we were you know in the second section up from the stage we couldn't see anything so in order to see the concert we had to stand up and look uh, not for nothing but I'm 61 years old and I know that's not ancient but I'm 61 and it was you know 85 degrees and humid right and standing up for that long isn't going to happen it's just not you know and so I've just come to the realization that I can't do these shows anymore I'm just going to have to go to smaller venues you know, and I, it, do, it means I won't see the big acts. I'll see, you know, people that, that were stars 20 years ago that are still performing, which is fine. But, you know, I was I was talking to my wife, you know, we, Thomas Rhett, as I said, the music was great, and he put on a hell of a show, what I could see of it. You know, and I said to her, yeah, I'd like to see Luke Combs, and there's a couple other new acts. I like. But I'm not going, no, I've decided, you know, we talked about that. My wife said, you know, they need to have a, a seat. And we're not senior citizens, but we're close. We're 61. But my wife said, you know, do they have a senior citizen section? You know, and what was frustrating about it is, is I said, the, you know, the couple of rows or the few rows ahead of us, everybody was standing, and they were all kids. The, 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 the frustrating part was all the rows ahead of them we're sitting down. If we had been a few rows further up, we would have been able to see everything. But we happen to be in a section where everybody decided they were going to, and the kids around us, they were all in their 20s. I had this tall young lady standing next to me, and she was tall. When I stood up, she was as tall as I was, and I'm, I'm almost 6'1". And uh, she was there with her boyfriend, and they were both drinking. And, you know, uh, so I'm sitting down, and she's dancing, you know, her, her, herself off and uh shaking the hips in the rear end and i said i i mean to the point where i almost got her ass in my face a couple of times she almost fell in my lap once i said to my wife i said i haven't had this much action and this much strange fanny in my face since i went to a strip club years ago (laughs) she she wasn't amused but anyway you know but that it it was like that the entire night and when i stood up when we did stand up it was like I was dancing with this girl. She kept hip checking me and just, I uh, just, it just, I did not enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it, you know? And so it, it's a shame because I, you know, like I said, Thomas Rip put on a good show. This is nothing against him. It has nothing to do with him. It's, it's, it's nothing to do with the venue. The venue is fine. It's just, I'm old. I, I've, I've come to that realization that, you know, it's not like I'm ready to go out to pasture or anything, but there are just certain things, I guess, as we get older that we have to recognize. It's just not, you know, we're not just not going to do that anymore. You know, it, it's just like, you know, when I finally gave up the, um, you know, playing slow pitch softball, I played slow pitch softball until I was almost 47 years old. And you get to a point when you realize, you know what, I can't do that anymore. You know, you play a doubleheader one day and you can't get out of your car and you realize, you know, eh, we're not going to do that anymore. You know what we're going to do now? We're going to go play a nice leisurely round of golf. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> you know, and as far as live music goes, I'll go to some small shows. I'll go to a lot of small shows. My wife and I are planning to go to the Grand Old Opry, but it only holds, you know, three, 4,000 people. You know, there's a little music venue in Franklin, North Carolina, near where we're going to be living that holds, you know, a few thousand people. And it, and it brings in a lot of country acts that, that I like, you know, that aren't headliners anymore, which is fine. That's my speed. I've come to that realization, and it's a shame um, because I do like some of the new music, but I just, I just can't, I just can't do that anymore. So, that's number one. 
Number two before we get to sports, and just when I think I have heard it all and I have I have found out, you know, how stupid people can be, it reaches new heights. I subscribe to a uh, a blog. It's called uh, it's called Cup of Coffee, and it's by Craig Calcaterra. It, this guy's really really good. You should check him out. Uh, he's on Twitter. It's uh, Craig with a C, and uh, Calcaterra starts with a C. It's C A L C A T E R R A. He's very good, and I I pay for this thing. I mean, he he does it. He puts it out five days a week. Uh, he's a former lawyer, and he's done a lot of baseball writing, and he's a very good writer. And he writes a lot about baseball, and uh, he's had some great stuff on the Trevor Bauer stuff. Being a former lawyer, this is a guy that kind of knows that stuff. But anyway, uh, he had a thing in his in his blog this morning, and I just you're reading this and you're going, I really, how do these people dress themselves in the morning, folks? There is a rash of people in the South that are ingesting livestock deworming medicine. I'm not making this up. And why it's why are they doing this? Because there was an online conspiracy theory uh, saying that if you take this drug, it's called uh, ivermectin, and it is a livestock dewormer. If you take this, it will treat or prevent COVID-19. This is more dangerous than that. Uh, remember when Trump was touting that malaria drug? This kills people. The Mississippi Department of Health issued an alert on Friday saying that 70% of all their recent calls to its poison control center in the state has been a result of people ingesting ivermectin, a livestock deworming drug, because they think it will treat COVID. Are you kidding me? How do these people feed themselves? How do they get dressed? How can you be that freaking stupid? So the FDA this weekend uh, puts out a tweet saying, and this is this is for real. It was uh, it, it's uh, their Twitter account at USDA underscore FDA. You are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. And so, you know, there's this this right-wing uh, conservative that tweets out to the uh, FDA in response, do you really think your mocking condescension, condescension uh, will make your message more persuasive? Let me ask you this, and Craig Calcaterra pointed this out. How can you not, if you're the FDA or any sane-thinking person, how can you not be condescending Two people that are stupid enough to believe that if I take medicine that is in, intended for my cows or my horses, if I am that stupid to take a pill in that is designed for livestock because I think it is better than getting a vaccine, 
how can you not be condescending to the level of stupidity in these people? These are the same people, ladies and gentlemen, that voted for Donald Trump, that try to say to people who might not be uh, as right-wing thinking as they are that there is something wrong with you if you don't agree with me. Uh, and, and so... Uh, and it is somehow our fault that they're taking these this horse dewormer. I am so over this. I am so beyond feeling sorry for people that are this stupid. I can't even feel sorry for them. I did it once. I was like, man, it must be really hard to go through life. You know, what's that old uh, thing from... Uh, uh, Animal House, fat, dumb, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Well, I'm telling you, and, and look, uh, am I concerned about, you know, uh, <laughs> I got to be careful because I'm getting ready to relocate to, to a new locale, but I worry that I'm moving to, to Trump country because there's these people down there. I am just tired of this. These are mental midgets, and you have people that are so deluded by what the right wing puts out that they are willing to believe that it's okay to take livestock medication. Oh, my God, it is unreal. Please. If you're, well, first of all, if you're listening to me, you aren't one of those people. Uh, you know, I mean, I know that right off the bat, and thank God. But if you are even considering doing this, stop. I, I, I don't understand when we went so far south in this country that people think that this is a good idea. And maybe, maybe the right thing to do by the FDA is to be condescending, to shame these people and to, how can you be this stupid? Remember when you were a kid and, you know, sometimes you'd do something really dumb and your parents would look at you and go, really? <laughs> you know, I, you just, I mean, I don't know other way, any other way to treat these people. You can't pat them on the head and say, oh, poor Johnny, what a dope. Because it doesn't work. They just take. But maybe if you shame them into realizing how friggin' stupid they are and how friggin' stupid the people are that they're listening to, I don't know. Maybe that'll get through. I don't know what we'll get through anymore. But good God Almighty. Taking livestock dewormer. Okay. All right. Let's get to sports because. That at least is sane, right? Oh, one other thing. I'm 61 years old, as I've mentioned several times. I have never been... Well, no, I can't. I should. I, I better be careful with that, too. I, I was like a kid on Christmas this weekend. Why? Because I have a PS5 in my house. I'm 61 years old, and I am as, as excited as I, have, I ever was 
at any Christmas for any gift I ever got. And I had the privilege of paying $500 to Sony to get one of these, and I was never so excited to be able to shell out 500 bucks as I was to get my hands on a PS5. <laughs> what the hell is the matter with me? Uh, it's just one of those things. I have always been a bit of I'm, – I'm a nerd. Look, there's no two ways about it. Um, you know, I've always been one of these people that loves gaming – whether it's you know computer gaming, whether console gaming, whether it was in the arcades when I was a kid, uh, whether it was board games, I've just always you know I've, I've been a gamer, and I am obsessed with MLB the Show. I play it constantly, at, you know, and it's it's frustrating being my age and the reflexes not being what they used to be, and you go online and play against these you know fifteen year old kids and they kick the snot out of you, uh, but. Uh, I was, uh, you know, and, and PS5s are damn near hard to find. There's a chip shortage in this in the world. And so uh, I had to get a special invitation from Sony in my email to go online to their store to get in a queue for a chance to win one, and I did it, and I actually got the damn thing, and they FedExed it to me, and I had it two days after I bought it. And I, uh, you know, I, I could hear heavenly angels singing as I opened the box. And my wife just sitting in her chair Shaking her head, going, "Oh my God, <laughs> what was I thinking when I married you?" Uh, and then you know, I set it up, and she looks at the thing, and it's big, you know. And she said, "You know, that thing's really ugly," <laughs> and it's now a piece of furniture in our living room. So, but I've never been so happy in my life. And the graphics are way better than the PS4. Uh, there is uh, there is some stuff that you can do in the in the PS5 version of the of games that you can't do in the PS4, and was it worth it to me? Yep, absolutely was. It's probably the last gaming system I'll, I'll ever buy. You know, there's going to come a point at some point, I guess, where the reflexes won't be there at all anymore. But for now, I got my nerd on, and uh, I was uh, very, very happy this weekend. All right. What did not make me happy this weekend outside of that Thomas Rhett concert on Saturday? I was never so thankful to have had to miss a Red Sox game in my life as I was that game against Texas on Saturday night. I kept checking the score while I was at the concert, and as the score continued, the numbers kept going up. I was like, oh, well, I'm really glad I'm not watching this. I was pissed off just seeing the score. Then when you get home and you watch the highlights and you see that the Red Sox made five errors in the game, and not that, not did they just make five errors. They played incredibly badly. Look, errors are going to happen. But the Red Sox defense has been awful all season. We've got people playing in positions they really shouldn't be playing in. Xander Bogarts, look, I love Xander Bogarts, and as a shortstop, he's a great hitter. He's not a great shortstop. His range is limited. You know, he, he makes errors. You know, he made another error the other night, a throwing error. Raffy Devers made an error. Now, Raffy had been much better lately, but, you know, he made an error trying to transfer the ball. Kike Hernandez is okay. Then we had a failed pickoff attempt. Hunter Renfro, who's been throwing everybody out in the outfield, overruns a single. And But it wasn't even those. It's the, the ones that drive you nuts. You know, there's this, like, little slow roller that was hit about, you know, 10 miles an hour that somehow snuck through an infield because the uh, because everybody in that infield is so poor defensively that this little little bleeder gets through the infield. This this a comebacker to the mound, Eduardo Rodriguez can't can't field and ends up hitting his foot. And it, I mean, I'm telling you, it was 
you, you could it was a it was a slow a ball that is hit as you have ever seen in your life. And he can't he can't make the play, so a run scores. There was a throw from the outfield to the plate to Christian Vasquez that had the guy at the plate out by 15 feet. But Christian Vasquez, who has somehow suddenly become the Pillsbury Doughboy, makes the catch, runs up the line, and this guy, Yoel Pozo, who is one of the slowest runners in damn baseball, slides underneath the tag because instead of Vasquez just sitting there and putting the glove down and letting the guy slide into the tag, he decides for some reason he's going to run up the line and he tags the guy on the chest. Well, the problem is by the time you've tagged him on the chest, his foot is crossed the plate and he scores. He should have been out by 15 feet. According to Alex Spear in the Boston Globe, the Red Sox defense contributed to eight of the ten runs that the Tigers scored in this game. Now, having which is awful, all right. And uh, that being the case, even if they play great defense, they still lose two to one because they didn't hit at all. You know, and one of the things I, I look, I, I I appreciate what Alex Spear does, but he's their numbers nerd. And, you know, you say, well, you're a nerd. Well, you should love these numbers. I don't love analytics. I hate analytics. And one of here is it. Let me tell you a stat with one of these analytics stats that I hate. Expected batting average. Expected batting average. What does that mean? It means that based on where the ball was hit, how hard the ball was hit, this is what they estimate the average person or the you know the average major leaguer, how many times they would get a hit? What the hell is that? How can you do that? Is just the dumbest thing ever. Expected batting average. That means that the that the fielder is playing everything perfectly. That the batter is running perfectly. That everything you know expected batting average. It might be the most asinine stat I've ever heard. And they have some asinine uh, analytics, but expected batting average. Based on the launch angle of the bat and the X it's just dumb. You know, according to Alex Spear, the 38 balls that Texas put into play had an expected batting average of 236. Well, what the hell does that mean? You know, uh, it, well, he tells you what it means. He's meaning that you'd expect roughly 29 outs and nine hits as a normal outcome. Instead, the Rangers got on twice as many times. They got on 18 times out of those 38 balls in play. Expected batting average. It's just, there's no way to quantify that. I don't care. You can crunch every number that you want. There is no way that you can quantify expected batting average. You know, it's like you know, one of the other ones I hate is the catch probability. You know, based on where the ball was hit and the speed of the outfielder, uh, speed of the runner, uh, you know, whether the ball should have been caught or not. Uh, come on. Expected batting average. One of the great things about baseball is you see different things every day. And so if a ball is hit, even if it's not hit hard, what if it hits a rock in the infield and it bounces away? You can't quantify that. So expected batting, I don't want to hear that. However, the point that Alex Spear makes is not that what the expected batting average is. That doesn't really matter. But when a ball is hit, so slow that you can see 
you can see the seams every rotation of the ball. That's how slow it's moving. Those got to be outs. And the Red Sox managed to play them into hits. Doesn't matter what the expected batting average was. This is a poor defensive team. The left side of the infield with Bogart's endeavors is a below average infield. Offensively, they're great. Defensively, they're hideous. Kike Hernandez is a below average second baseman when you put him there. He's a pretty good center fielder, but he is a below average second baseman. Christian Arroyo's better defensively than Kike Hernandez is. Now, obviously, Arroyo's been hurt, but regardless, Kike Hernandez is not a great second baseman. Uh,. Bobby Dahlbeck is not a great defensive first baseman. We have seen that time and time again in the last few weeks where he has played balls into hits or into errors, you know, balls that should have been outs. So, you know, uh, outside of Hunter Renfro, and even Hunter Renfro, he's been throwing guys out, but he doesn't always take the greatest route to the ball. Jaron Duran, with his great speed, is a below-average outfielder. He hasn't figured that part of his game out yet. He'll get better at it. His speed will make up for a lot. But right now, he's a below-average you know, center fielder. Alex Verdugo would be, would be somebody you would consider an average outfielder. J.D. Martinez, who's had to play out there a lot because they've got Kyle Schwarber and they don't know what to do with him, so they've been DHing him. You know, We know J.D. Martinez is a below-average outfielder. Now, he'll make a good play every now and then. But is you know he can't get the balls that are hitting the gap, and he is not going to get the balls in the outfield quickly to be able to get it back into the infield or make a good throw. He does it every now and then, but by and large, he's a DH for a reason. So I'm really glad that I missed that game. Uh, look, the Red Sox are 15 and 19 since the All Star break. It's not just on the defense they've scored in, in 13 games of the 34 games that they have played since the All-Star break, 13 times they've scored two runs or fewer. You don't win games like that, and the Red Sox haven't. They're 1-12 in, in those games where they score two or fewer runs. 1-12. So it's not just the defense. But as Alex Corris said the other day, you know, we just don't click at the same time. You know, if the hitting's on, the pitching's not. If the pitching's on, the defense isn't. You know, it's just it's there's always something missing with this team. In the first half of the year, everything went right. The second half, it's been a crap show. And look, Alex Cora has stepped right up and he's shown his frustration and he's angry and yada yada. But you know what? Terry Francona was angry when his team was tanking with the Red Sox too. John Farrell was angry when the Red Sox tanked when he was the manager too. And you know what it did? It got them fired. And I'm not saying Alex Cora is going to get fired. But at some point, he's going to have to take... I can't say he didn't take responsibility because he's taking responsibility. He said, look, we're coaching staff. We're not doing, as good, we're not doing a good enough job. But at some point, if you are management, what do you do? You know, I don't think Alex Cora is the problem here. I, I get frustrated with, uh, with his dealing with the pitching staff. I think that that he is too quick to take out guys who are pitching well, and he's too slow to take out guys who are pitching poorly. He lets guys get into too much trouble before he pulls, pulls them, and then guys who are pitching their asses off 
he pulls to go to an overworked bullpen because uh, well, they're afraid of the third time around the lineup. Let him pitch. You know, but at some point, your his accountability isn't going to be enough. And if you're High and Bloom in the ownership group, you know, uh, Alex Cora is not getting fired at the end of this year. If they finish, the, if the collapse is complete and they don't make the playoffs, I don't believe Alex Cora is getting fired. Look, this team was not supposed to be great to begin with. You know, it's supposed to be a 500 team, and it, at the end of the day, it might be exactly where it ends up. Despite the great first half, they might end up being a 500 team. If that's what it is, it's what it is. And it's not going to get Alex Cora fired. Considering all the injuries and and uh, the uh, position issues that they have on this team, Hein Bloom's on the hot seat to fix this. He had an opportunity to fix it at the All-Star break. If they had gotten Anthony Rizzo, could have fixed a lot of problems. Could have fixed some defensive problems at first base, that's for sure, and it would have fixed some offensive problems as well. Instead, we'd let him go to the Yankees. You know, there were some opportunities that they had. Instead, they went out and got a guy to plays the outfield when they didn't really necessarily need an outfielder, especially Carl Schwarber, by the way, who if you put him in the outfield, who isn't a lot better than J.D. Martinez. As an outfielder, you know, Kyle Schwarber's a great D.H., in my opinion. So, anyway, Red Sox, will they, their game on Sunday was mercifully rained out thanks to uh, Hurricane Henri. They will play it at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, Nate Evaldi will be on the mound against Kobe Allard, a game the Red Sox should win. However, Nate Evaldi's 1-4 with an ERA of over 5 since the All-Star break, so there's no guarantees with that either. But Kobe Allard is 3-10 this year. This guy who started the season in the bullpen, uh, he's 2-10 with a 5-3-5 ERA as a starter. He's allowed seven earned runs over his last 19 innings over three starts. It's a guy who's hittable. He's only ever faced the Red Sox once. It was a couple of years ago. He got whacked, but it doesn't mean anything. But you look at the numbers and you're like, this guy, you know, they got to win this game today. And then they have the Minnesota Twins starting on Tuesday. A team that is dangerous, but a team that you've got to win. Tanner Houck's going to come up from Worcester. Uh, and he'll make the start on Tuesday and stay up for the rest of the year, I think, although they keep playing the shuttle with him. He hasn't pitched for Worcester, by the way. Everybody makes a big deal of him being shuttled back and forth. He, haven't pitched, he hasn't pitched for Worcester since July, you know, the middle of July, because it's basically a paperwork thing with, with Hauk because they've had so many guys coming off the injured list and they're trying to figure out how to move guys around without having to designate somebody else for assignment. But that time is coming soon. So Hawk will be up. He'll start against the Twins on Tuesday. But tonight, they got to take care of Texas, and then they got to sweep Minnesota. they got to find a way to keep themselves in it. You know, I mean, because the Yankees and the Rays are showing no signs of losing. You know, if, if, they, if they're expecting to get help, good luck. I mean, the Red Sox, I guess, could ask for some help you know, from the Atlanta Braves when they go to play the Yankees. But the Sox are now seven back of the Rays, two and a half back of the Yankees, and they are tied for the second wild card. They may still make the playoffs. They've got 70 wins. There's still a good chance. They're 15 games over 500, but got to win tonight. Got to sweep. Got to sweep the Twins. Got to. 37 minutes past the hour. Take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 39 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. It's pouring rain here in the Northeast again after uh, 
uh, rain from Henri yesterday. We're getting some from the backside. It is uh, coming down in buckets. They said we might get another two, three inches of rain. I saw down in Tennessee uh, a lot of flooding uh, over the weekend. Uh, we had we had some flooding just up the road here in Weathersfield. Uh, you know, it we've been again. We got very fortunate to miss this thing. My wife's friend Ann was uh, out on Block Island. The the storm literally went right over Block Island. The eye uh, passed through in the middle of it. All of a sudden, the sun came out, and uh, so uh, it was. Uh, you know, it could have been a lot worse. So we we caught a break here in the Northeast, and the way I look at it, this was Mother Nature's way of uh, giving us a farewell. Uh, here in the Northeast. We will be moving our studios uh, in the next uh, couple of months. The house goes on the market here in a couple of weeks, and my wife has been transferred, so we'll be uh, moving south. She's going before I am, uh, so I'll be sticking around. So we'll keep the show going for as long as we can. Uh, then we'll have to shut down for a short time uh, while we move. The, r- the station will still be on, but uh, the wake-up call might take a bit of a hiatus as we uh, as we get the move done. But we got a while to go before that yet. So, anyway, uh, other baseball news yesterday. Of course, the Rays just keep rolling. They took two out of three from the Chicago White Sox. They win nine nothing yesterday. Uh, Chris Archer was making his return to the Tampa Bay Rays, making his first start since April. Lasted two innings. Uh, felt some tightness in his left hip. They took him out of the game. He had struck out four in the first two innings. And, of course, the Rays did what they do. They ran out four relievers who gave up nothing. <laughs> four relievers that pitched seven innings, allowed six hits, and one walk, no runs, struck out six. It's just, it, do, it just doesn't seem to matter with this Rays team. They, they are as confounding a team as I have ever seen. You look at this lineup and you just – it's guys that you just they're not household names by and large there are a few but they're not household names and they just continue to find ways to beat people and not just beat them beat the hell out of them and you can have them on the ropes and all of a sudden you look up and it's the eighth inning and they have found a way to erase a five-run deficit they do it time after time after time so they take two of three from the uh the vaunted chicago white Sox. By the way, the White, the White Sox that are supposed to be, you know, the powerhouse team in the American League, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have five more wins than the Chicago White Sox. So we may have to we may have to revise that. Tampa now seventy seven and forty eight. With the loss, the, the White Sox fall to seventy two and fifty three. The White Sox have nothing to worry about as far as the division goes. They still have a nine and a half game lead, but Tampa, uh, just keeps rolling seven of the last 10 they've won uh and uh, four and a half clear of the new york yankees of course the yankees got rained out yesterday as did the red sox uh so they will finish up their series with minnesota today and uh then they have a couple of games coming up with the atlanta braves uh the toronto blue jays are fading fast uh they're you know their playoff hopes are not, they're not over, but they're four and a half back of the second wild card, and they just lost two out of three over the weekend to the Detroit Tigers. Uh, of course, the news yesterday, and Stephen Matz pitched well for the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday. By the way, went six innings, five hits and a run, but uh, uh, the Tigers took it into extras. They win it in the eleventh. And uh, of course, what everybody wants to talk about yesterday was uh, Miguel Cabrera his 200 or 500th 
career home run. He only went one for five in the game, but uh, got his 500th. He becomes the 28th player in Major League history with 500 career home runs. Uh, and uh, look, you know, he's not the player he used to be, hitting 246 this season. And he was tearing it up for a while. But over the last couple of weeks, he's again start, started to struggle at the plate. And whether it's, you know, whether it's part of it was, uh, you know, trying too hard to get that 500th, you know, who knows. Uh, but, uh, you know, not the player he was, but still, look, he's still driven in 56 this year. Um, and uh, 38 years old, headed to the Hall of Fame. Uh, and by the way, he is the first player from Venezuela to uh, ever hit 500 career home runs. So congratulations to Miggy. Hey, look, he's a guy that enjoys playing the game. I, I, I love watching him uh, because he's just one of those guys that plays the game with joy. Even when he was hurt, you know, he just, you know, I'd like to think that if I was a professional baseball player, I'd be the same way. I, I think I'd wake up every morning pinching myself that they're actually paying me a lot of money to play a game you know that's where that's where I have trouble with with so many guys that act like professional sports is some kind of burden you know and you could say all you want ah it's the, it's my job you know so I, I I you know it's stressful it's my job you know you're making millions you're going to make more you know with the, even a guy that has an average major league career that you know maybe kicks around eight ten years is probably is going to make more money doing that than the average American will make in their lifetime. So, uh, you know, I like seeing guys like Cabrera, guys, uh, you know, uh, like Francisco Lindor that look like they're Fernando Tatis, guys that look like they're having a blast because, damn it, you should be. You're getting paid to play a game, so uh, I'm. I I you know, I I know the Tiger fans are frustrated that Cabrera, you know, signed that long-term deal and he's not the player that he was, and you know, injuries and age. Ask the Baltimore Orioles how they feel about Chris Davis, who recently retired. I mean, it's just it's the way it goes. Anytime anyone signs a long-term deal like that, you run the risk. I mean, look at A Rod at the end of his career; he was nowhere near the player he was. Well, that's because he was off the roids. But be that as it may, anytime somebody signs an eight, ten-year deal, what well, do you think Mike Trout is going to be the player he was at the end of his uh, contract that he was in the beginning? I mean, look right now, he's dealing with injury after injury, and he's still a young man. You know, somebody who signs a contract in their 20s that's going to be in their late 30s when it's over, you know, you know that it's not going to be the same player. Very rare is the player that gets better as they get older. Nelson Cruz might be one of those guys, other than the fact he's now just strictly a DH. You know, there are very few guys that get better as they get older. David Ortiz probably is one of those guys that got better as he got older. Again, you know, they're not playing the field anymore, but Poppy could still swing the bat till the day he retired. He probably could have come back and played more. You know, Nelson Cruz at 41 years old is still swinging a hot bat. Now, he's on the COVID list right now, but regardless, I mean, this is a guy that has you know, stayed consistent most of his career and has actually in some ways gotten better as they've gotten older, but they're rare. Cabrera is more the norm uh, than a guy like that. So the Blue Jays now will open a four-game series against the Chicago White Sox. And look, you know, Toronto is 
64-58. They're four and a half behind the Red Sox. They're seven behind the Yankees and 11 and a half, a half behind Tampa. They're not catching Tampa. They're probably not even going to catch the Red Sox, although it's not beyond the realm of possibility the way Boston's been playing. But this is a Toronto team that's got a huge series coming up against the White Sox. It's a four-gamer. And the good news for Toronto is it's at home. Alec Manoa has come off the bereavement list. He will make the start in the game uh, tonight for uh, uh, the Blue Jays. And he goes against Lance Lynn. He of the 10-3 and record and 2-2-6 ERA. So uh, they will have their hands full for sure. The Mets snapped their losing streak finally. Uh, and they broke the Dodgers' nine-game winning streak yesterday. The Mets beat them 9-2. to uh, Brandon Nimmo a couple of hits and walked twice in this game. Uh, but Javi, Javi Baez and J.D. Davis were the story in this one for the Mets. Javi Baez, his first game back in 12 days. Um, pair of doubles in this one. Drove in a run. Uh, J.D. Davis had uh, a couple of hits, including his uh, fifth home run of the season. He drove in four. Uh, Marcus Stroman, six solid innings on the mound, and then the bullpen, Familia May and Edwin Diaz do the job. And uh, the Mets finally win one out in L.A., uh, and uh, they take care of business in that one, 7-2. to two. It is 49 minutes past. Yeah, we've got to take one more quick break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 51 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. Just a few more minutes to go this morning before we get out of here. Uh, the Atlanta Braves uh, with a win yesterday, uh, so they keep their lead over the Mets in the National League East. They beat the Baltimore Orioles 3-1. to The Orioles have now lost 18 straight games. <laughs> uh, so every time I start feeling bad about the Red Sox, I just remember that I could be a Baltimore Orioles fan. Uh, but a good job by the Braves yesterday. Tuki Toussaint. Pitches into the sixth inning, gives up just one run on five hits, and then five relievers uh, pitch three and two-thirds shutout innings, uh, and uh, the Braves win again. Interesting note in this game for the Braves, all three of their runs were driven in by guys that were acquired prior to the trade deadline. Uh, Adam Duvall uh, drove in two of them, and Jorge Soler with his 18th home run of the season, drove in the other one. So uh, the Braves making uh, or taking advantage of some guys that uh, uh, that were acquired at the deadline. But uh, 18 straight losses now for the Baltimore Orioles, 38 and 85. Oh, and uh, the Orioles uh, have today off. Thank God for them. And now they they'll try to break that streak. They've got the Los Angeles Angels coming in for a three-game series starting on Tuesday. And as I said, the Braves return home uh, for a couple of games against the Yankees. Uh, starting tonight, uh, Huskar Yanoa will get the start. Jordan Montgomery will make the start for the New York Yankees in that one. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies with a win yesterday as well. So you take a look at the National League East, and the Braves stay on top. Uh, they've won nine in a row. They've got a five-game lead over the Phillies, a seven-game lead over the New York Mets. Uh, the Phillies do win. They beat the Padres, who are just uh, tanking. There's no other way to put it. Reese Hoskins back from the injured list yesterday. Uh, a pair of home runs. He's now got 26th on the season. 
uh, as uh, he got the tone started for the Phillies, and uh, they run away from the Padres. The Padres are a mess. The Padres are no longer in playoff position. They are a game behind the Cincinnati Reds in the wild card race. It is the first time since April 21st that the Padres have not been in the playoff picture. You know, uh, and if you're Jace Tingler, you know, uh, you gotta, you gotta be beside yourself. Look, you know, I don't blame Tingler on this one. I mean, they have had so many injuries. Look how many games that Tatis has lost. They've lost their starting rotation has been like a walking mash unit. I mean, they just can't keep anybody healthy. And so, I mean, it got so bad they had to pick up uh, Jake Arrieta off the scrap heap, and he comes back. He gets whacked around for a couple of innings, and then he hurts himself. I mean, it's just that's how bad it's been. Uh, so uh, it looks like the Padres are going to have to work their asses off to get back in that playoff race. I mean, look, they've got talent. Uh, I just don't know if they have enough pitching. Uh, the Phillies have a series starting with Tampa Bay starting tomorrow. Ranger Suarez is going to pitch. The, the series is in Philadelphia. Um, big games for the Phillies. And if you're a Red Sox or Yankee fan, you're, you're a big Philly fan this weekend. Uh, and the Padres start a three-game series against the Dodgers on Tuesday. And that could go a long way towards getting them healthy or it could finish them off. You know, and uh, look, the, the Giants keep winning. The Giants won their 80th game of the season yesterday. First team in Major League Baseball to get to 80. Their lead over the Dodgers remains two and a half. Um, But they just continue to find ways to come back and win games. They do it yesterday. They're losing one nothing, going into the eighth inning. And then uh, Montas had pitched really well. He pitches into the eighth, gets into some trouble. They bring A.J. Puck in, and he proceeds to give up a home run to Donovan Solano and a two-run shot, and the Giants end up winning it 2-1 to one over the Oakland Athletics. Uh, as far as the A's go, they are now in that uh, second wild-card position tied with the Red Sox. They are three-and-a-half games behind Houston. The uh, Astros lost again to the Mariners over the weekend. So it is. Uh, there's, some, there's some fun races. Things are tightening up, but... Uh, uh, Red Sox get started here in a couple of hours, and uh, hopefully they can find a way to turn things around and uh, stay ahead of those Oakland Athletics. Well, one other quick note before we get out of here. Uh, I have to mention the passing of Roger Bear yesterday. Uh, Roger Bear pay- played for the New York Rangers for his entire 18-year NHL career. Uh, this is a guy who almost uh, lost his career when uh, he broke a vertebrae in his back. Uh, when he was uh, a young man playing in uh, the juniors and uh, came back from that, ended up scoring uh, 406 goals in his career, 1,065 regular season games. He holds the Ranger records for goals and points. Uh, Of course, he played uh, for the Canadian national team as well. If you remember that Summit Series back in the the, uh, early 70s, uh, it was an an eight-game victory uh, uh, for the Soviet Union in the Summit Series, but uh, he... Had a goal and three assists in six games for Canada in that series as well. And he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1982. He passed away this weekend at the age of 80. 
That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from the Everly Brothers. Uh, Don Everly, the last surviving Everly brother, passed away this weekend at the age of 84. So on the way out, here's some music from uh, the Everly Brothers. Bye Bye Love, members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Country Music Hall of Fame. Don Everly passes away at the age of 84.